0: Hmm. Recorded live. Testing, testing, one, two, three. We give honor to God and all the saints and um,
1: our participants and um, voters and listeners. God, we just praise you. We exalt your name. We come together on this February 17th, midday prayer. We just want to thank you, God, for the privilege of prayer, God. We want to thank you, God, that we can come together and exalt your name, Heavenly Father. We want to thank you, God, for all you've done, all you're going to do, Heavenly Father. We want to thank you, God, for the blessings that you have before us, Heavenly Father, that are coming into fruition, God. God, we couldn't do it without you, and we give you all the praise. We give you the glory. We just thank you. We exalt you. We magnify your name, God. We just thank you, Heavenly Father, for the each breath that we get to take, Heavenly Father. God, we thank you for our loved ones, our family, our friends, our associates, God. God, we thank you, God, for having people show themselves up, that we can see what we're dealing with, Heavenly Father, God, we thank you, God, for binding and rebuking every trap Satan has, Heavenly Father. He's roaming across this earth seeking whom he could devour and destroy, and you've chosen, God, to enlighten us, to let us see that the devil is a liar, and to block every trap, every scam, every scheme he's planted. God, we thank you, we praise you, we exalt your name. Because it had not been for grace and mercy, God, we would have fell easily into those traps. God, we give you glory. We give you praise. You didn't have to do it, God, but you did. You've chosen this particular community. God, I thank you. I thank you for praying targeted individuals. I thank you for those standing on God's word, Heavenly Father, that know that in God's time things are going to turn around. I decree, declare, in the name of Jesus, demons are coming down. God, I thank you that you're pulling them out. I thank you that you're turning this earth around, God, that these type, these crimes that these demons have been putting on this earth, the infestations, the eugenics, the income lynching, the black. God, that you're using your people to bind this stuff up and rebuke it, that no generation will have to go through this again, God, that we will be aware, Heavenly Father, of the tracts of the devil. We will be aware specifically of demon forces trying to usurp authority over our governing structures structures god we plead the blood of jesus on the executive branch of government we bind up every demon force trying to usurp authorities they do not have in that particular area of government god we plead the blood of jesus on the judicial branch of government every demon force in there trying to usurp authorities they do not have we please the blood the blood the blood that it will be broken it will not work That God's supreme power, God's sovereign power will reign over the judiciary across the nation. And we plead the blood, the blood, the blood of Jesus over our legislative branch of government. Every governance force in there in the name of Jesus, demons must tremble. Demons must tremble. God's work will be done through the legislative branch of government. All three branches of government, we plead the blood, the blood of Jesus. Satan, we rebuke you. We rebuke every ploy, every plot. We rebuke the plan of the secrecy mode in the name of Jesus. Our governing structures belong to the Most High God. And we plead the blood of Jesus that every ploy and plan to usurp authority over those governing structures will be broken. We plead the blood of Jesus over God's people, destroying the works of evil that cannot prosper on this earth without men. The the triumph over evil is if good men do nothing. God, we bind up the spirit of good men doing nothing. We bind up the spirit of disabling public protection officers in the name of Jesus. We reverse the curse in the name of Jesus. That is a curse from the pit of hell. For public protection officers to be disabled. God, we reverse it in the we please the blood of Jesus that public protection officers will do what they were created for, will act as walls of protection against the enemy, will protect God's people from the enemy. In the name of Jesus, we plead the blood of Jesus on every wall of protection, from the judiciary, from the court system, to the uh, crime victim office, to the uh, all the public uh, protection offices across this earth. The Child Protective Services, we bind up every demon force trying to usurp authority they do not have. God, we give you praise. We give you glory. We thank you, God, for our seniors. I thank you, God, for my mother in the name of Jesus. I plead the blood of Jesus from head to toe over her life. God, you will continue to cover her. I plead the blood of Jesus over the the lives of each and every praying T.I., our sister Elka that's here faithfully. Heavenly Father, cover her. Bless her in the name of Jesus. Bless her family, God. Bring them into the kingdom of God, Heavenly Father. Cover that entire generation by generation. Bless our sister Anne, Heavenly Father. Cover her. Shield her. Thank you, God, for the redemption you're doing for her. Thank you, God, for turning things around. She was in a bad situation and you're turning it around. And we give you all the praise. We give you the glory, Heavenly Father. We just thank you, God. Bless our sister Amy, God. Let her continue to stand in prayer, watch over her, guide her, direct her, God. Let her use those skills you've given her to exalt your name and magnify your name to the most high that she can. Bless our brother Mark, Heavenly Father. We ask you, God, to give him the opportunities that he needs, Heavenly Father, but make him the man that you created him to be. Line him up, Lord. Line him up to be the man that you created him to be in the name of Jesus. And every demon force trying to interrupt the work of God, we bind it up in the name of Jesus. Every hypocritical spirit... Every spirit that was not true, every spirit that goes to slander, discredit, to harm in the name of Jesus, we put that stuff in your hands, Heavenly Father. Your word says vengeance is mine. We bind up teaming up spirits, persecution spirits. We bind up envious spirits. Bind up anything that is not of God. God, we come before you. We praise you. We exalt you. We thank you, God, for every blessing that you have for us, every test. God, would you lead us and guide us and direct us that we pass those tests that you have put before us? We'll not fail those
0: tests, Heavenly Father. Bless the Ti community, God. Keep. Let them lean on your word. Let them find that proper
1: outlet they need to keep them. Listen to Joel Osteen, TD Jakes, whatever ministry it takes for them to know that the devil is a liar. That there's this thing
0: called patience that we God's truth will reign across this earth in due time. What we have to do is continue to
1: see God's face. Thank you for the spirit of fasting and praying. Thank you, God. I praise you. I exalt you. I thank you in advance. I decree and declare demons are coming down in the name of Jesus. will be turned over, have I will be turning around, Heavenly Father. Your work will be done. Justice will prevail. Your word says, "Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven." Praise God, You're allowing me to live through, see through the day. I thank you, God, that demons will be arrested. Demon spirits will be arrested. I thank you in advance, Heavenly Father. Things are turning around. Curses are being broken. They're turning into blessings. Blessings from above. When praises go up, blessings come down. God, we exalt you. We praise you by your name. We thank you in advance, God. Open the windows of heaven for targeted individuals, God, that are praying. That are praying this thing through. Bind up that demon spirit. Every component of demonism associated with this targeting. In the name of Jesus, we bind it up. We
0: rebuke it in the name of Jesus. Time to develop relationship with you, God. praise you that what the devil
1: meant for bad, God, we see that you're using for good, that you're turning it around, Heavenly
0: Father. Thank you, God, that we can come together midday to just call your name. Thank you, God, for the technology you've
1: allowed us to be able to use, God. Thank you, God, for the spirit of cohesiveness that we come together as a group. Thank you, God, that we didn't have to go through these programs out here alone, that we found each other. Thank you, God, for communities that are leaning on you, are praying and relying on you, Heavenly Father, and standing on the word of God. Open up the orders for Moses. You open up things for Jehoshaphat that you will do it for us in the name of Jesus. God, I ask you to send in more prayer warriors, send in people that are willing to fast and pray until we see changes. Things are going to turn around. I decree and declare, Heavenly Father, every case I filed in that courtroom, that justice will prevail, that we will be reimbursed, the monies that have been stolen, the pain, the sorrows. Mother will be able to see the things that you created her to see, the life that you have had for her, that she will live comfortable. Thank you in advance, God, that you're turning things around. I give you all the praise, God. I give you all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: Yes. <laughs> amen, amen, amen. Well, Welcome, everybody. Anybody else wants to pray?
2: I just want to, want read to, play, to pray uh, a, ble- a blessing decree over all of us. A blessing decree? Excellent. Okay. So it. Um, it uh, puts it in the pu- it, it it puts it in the pronoun I. So I'll
0: do we, okay? Okay. Uh,
2: we are created for blessing. As a result, we are fruitful in every good thing, and we multiply and increase in blessing. Because our God has blessed us. No curse can touch us. In the name of Jesus Christ and by the power of his blood, we decree his covenant of blessing around our life and all that pertains to us. Nothing but blessing is permitted to come into our lives or spheres of influence. If the enemy attempts to attack us, he will be caught in the act and pay sevenfold what he stole, and then we will plunder his house. For we only accept blessings. His attempts create testimonies of God's increased blessings in our lives. Amen. Amen. Like Abraham, we are blessed, and we are called to be a blessing. And through our lives in Jesus Nations are blessed. Blessings come upon us and overtake us. Blessings are attracted to us, and we are blessing magnets. We are blessed coming in and blessed going out. We are blessed in the city and blessed in the field. The heavens are open over our lives, and the rain of God's abundant goodness falls on our lives, and all that pertains to us And no good thing has he withheld from us. We are blessed in everything we put our hands to. Our household is blessed. Our food is blessed. Our clothing is blessed. Our vehicles are blessed. Our business and matters of business are blessed. Our children, family, and all who labor with us and for us are blessed. Our finances are blessed. And our spirit, soul and bodies are fully blessed because Jesus established an eternal, unbreakable covenant of blessing for us. Amen. We need to we need to take a hold of that every day and speak these blessings over ourselves every day. Amen. We are blessed with the kingdom of heaven and its bounty because we recognize that that our God, that our need of God in all things, and I'll just read it again. We are blessed with the kingdom of heaven and its bounty because we recognize our need of God in all things and at all times. And we do. We recognize. We recognize our need. God. Amen. amen. We are blessed with comfort when we mourn. We are always blessed with a satisfied heart because we hunger and thirst for righteousness. We are blessed with mercy because we show mercy to others. We are blessed with insights and visitations from God because we are pure in spirit. We are called sons and daughters of God because we are peacemakers when we are persecuted for the sake of righteousness or when people insult us and speak lies about us, we are blessed with heavenly and eternal reward. And um, we are blessed because we hear the Lord's word and act on it. And we are doers of the word and not hearers only. Amen. Because... We love wisdom and righteousness, we are blessed, and our dwelling is blessed. Um the blessing of the Lord has made us rich, and he adds no sorrow to us. He, he doesn't, right? He he does not add sorrow to it. Amen. Because we trust in the Lord, we are blessed. Amen. Because we trust in the Lord, we are blessed. We are blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. And grace and peace are multiplied unto us in the knowledge of Christ. And we have been granted everything that pertains to life and to godliness. We have been given all the magnificent promises in the word of God. We sow blessings bountifully and therefore we reap blessings bountifully. We always look for ways we can bless others. The Lord blesses us indeed and enlarges our realms of influence. His hand of grace and blessings is with us, and he keeps us from harm. And we are truly blessed in all things, for our Father in Heaven has chosen gladly to give us the kingdom. Our Father blesses us continually and causes His face to shine upon us. He is gracious upon us and grants us peace. And that's all um, taken from scriptures. And uh, we thank you, God, for all the promises that you've given us. That uh, we need to um, we need to take those and use those because your word says we are a doer of the word and not a hearer only so we are to we are to um receive your promises um to meditate on them and to let them be activated
0: in our lives and um
2: just like um Miriam mentioned about um, Joel Osteen and his his ministry that the Lord has graciously given him. It's a ministry of encouragement. Yes. And um, so many human beings, you know, in the body of Christ and who, who are not Christians are very unthankful. And um, his ministry brings us back to learning how to be thankful. And to stand on his promises. And to um and to put faith into action. To put faith into action. On Sat- Saturday, on Valentine's Day, the Holy Spirit motioned me in a mighty way. My child put faith child into faith action. Now. Put faith into action. So what do you mean? So he led me from one thing to another. And um, I began putting faith into action. Okay. There were three houses in the cul-de-sac that did not accept what what the Holy Spirit wanted them to be blessed with. But that's okay. God knows who they are. And uh, it's okay, you know. And uh, God is good. God is really good because it's all about love. It's all about love. That For God so loved the world his only begotten son. Whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And so um, we are called to be a light in this world so that people know that we are God's children and we are to um, not only speak that way but we must also behave that way, too, and reach out. And uh, and that only comes with having a really intimate relationship with Jesus. Uh, so um, uh, we just long, Father, to know Jesus more. So show us Jesus, Father. Baba, show us Jesus. Show us Jesus more and more and more that we just become one with him uh, because it's not good enough just to read the Bible and um, then put it away because Jesus is the word. Jesus is the the, the word. The, and the word is alive. The word is alive in, in Jesus. And so, Abba, show us Jesus. Show us Jesus like we've never seen him before. And experienced him before in these next days. The desire of my heart, and this I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: Amen, amen, amen. Amen. encouragement I'm going to start with. Lovely Bible study and a quiz, so I do want to do that.
1: We're finishing up the Gospels. Our subject has been the life and uh, history, the Gospel and the life of Christ. So we've studied uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and the last book is John. Then we'll take a quiz, a final exam. But tonight we're going to do, we're going to finish up with the book of John. Next little summary I'm going to start with uh, just uh, my favorite record here I'd like to play Your Grace and Mercy Because if it wasn't for God's grace and mercy I
0: do not know where I would be So Your grace.
3: What's oh up? And Moses
2: You, Heavenly Father, there's
1: nothing like your grace and mercy Which has brought us through Heavenly Father, we just exalt you God God, your grace and mercy There's nothing on this earth that compensates That could that could measure up It's in, incalculable Your grace and mercy God's grace and mercy How many of us would be in our grave it Was not for this thing called grace and mercy There's nothing we've done that can amount to why God chose to give us another chance to live out the destiny that he put on our lives. God, just lead us right into it. Let us complete that destiny, God, that you put us here for. Have the demons tremble as the TIs line up, as they yield to God's will. Say to you, Heavenly Father, let us be the men and women you would have us be line us up, God, to do these great things. I decree and declare there'll be someone in this community that comes up with the way to disable chips, implants. I decree and declare there'll be someone in this community that will come up with the shielding techniques. I decree and declare that there'll be someone in this community that will help shut down electronic torture nationwide. I decree and declare one of us will be used to do the work of God across this earth and not another generation of people will suffer behind the eugenic atrocities associated with this program God I thank you in advance for turning things around I thank you God for breaking up curses for turning curses into blessings I thank you God for guardianship over our governing structures I thank you God and let that devil know he's a liar. This earth belongs to the Lord, the Lord the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. And Satan is gonna get out of the way. God, I give you all the praise. I give you glory. God for the Luke that we're going to take a look at tonight today.
0: Excuse
1: me. God for midday prayer. The ability to pray and just say, God, we exalt you, we magnify, we just come together to say, thank you for being an awesome God. Thank you for being a sovereign God. Thank you, God, for covering each and every one of us. Thank you, God, for the book of Luke, which we're looking at today. Um, We're looking at a scriptural outline. Uh, Book of Luke basically... uh, Chapter 1 goes into the incarnation of the Son of God, the deity of Christ, the pre-incarnate work of Christ, the forerunner of Christ, the rejection of Christ, the acceptance of Christ, and the incarnation of Christ. That's all um, John 1. Then we move into John 2. We have the presentation of Christ in Galilee. We have the presentation of Christ in Judea. We have the presentation of Christ in Samaria. You know that uh, that's uh, John 4, goes to Samaria. And we have the presentation of Christ in Galilee in John 4. And then here comes the opposition of the Son of God. That's in uh, John 5. We have the opposition at the feast in Jerusalem, John 5. The opposition during Passover, John Passover in Galilee, John 6. Then we have the opposition at the Feast of Tabernacles in Jerusalem, that's John 7. We have the opposition of the Feast of Dedication in Jerusalem. We have the opposition at Bethany, we go to John 11. The opposition at Jerusalem, John 12. Break it down into uh, the preparation of the disciples by the Son of God. That's John 13. The preparation in the upper room, John 13. Christ washes the disciples' feet, John 13. Humility, humbleness. Christ announces Judas the betrayer, John 13. Christ gives the upper room discourse, John 13. The preparation on the way to the garden, John 15. Christ instructs the disciples, John 15. Christ intercedes with the Father, John 17. Finally, we have the crucifixion and resurrection of the Son of God, John 18. We have the rejection of Christ from John 18, the arrest of Christ, John 18, the trials of Christ, John 18, the crucifixion of Christ, John 19. Pilate's inscription, John 19. Soldiers' cast lots, John 19. Mary's committal, John 19. Christ's death, John 19. The burial of Christ, John 19. Resurrection of Christ, John 20. The appearance of Christ, John 20. Christ appears to Mary Magdalene, John 20. Christ appears to the disciples, John 20. The Purpose of John's Gospel, John 20. Christ Appears to the Seven Disciples, John 21. Christ Speaks to Peter,
0: John 21, the Conclusion of John's Gospel. Christ of John, the book, presents the most powerful case in the entire Bible for
1: the deity of the incarnate Son of God, a man called Jesus. Also, Christ, the Son of the Living God, the deity of Christ can be seen in His seven I Am statements: I am the bread of life, John six thirty-five; I am the light of the world, John eight twelve; I am the door, John ten; I am the good shepherd, John John ten eleven; I am the resurrection and life, John eleven twenty-one; I am the way, the truth, and the life, John fourteen six; I am the true vine, John fifteen the seven signs in John chapter 1 through 12 and the five witnesses also point to his divine character on certain occasions Jesus equates himself with the old testament I am or Yahweh some of the most crucial affirmations of his deity are in John 1 John 858 John 1030 John 149 John 2028 20, the word was God, John one one, but the word also became flesh, John one fourteen. The humanity of Jesus can be seen in his weariness, John four six, his thirst, his dependence, troubled soul, and his anguish and death, John chapter nineteen. What are the keys to chapter John? Our key words. Our key words believe that Jesus is the Son of God. The four gospels had the four gospel has the clearest statement of purpose in the Bible, but they are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name, John twenty thirty one. John selected the signs he used for the specific purpose of creating intellectual conviction, that you may believe in that spiritual conviction, that believing you may have life about the Son of God. The key verb in John 15 is believe and it requires both knowledge and volition. The predominant theme of this gospel is the dual response of faith and unbelief to the person of Jesus Christ. Those who place the faith in the Son of God have eternal life, but those who reject him are under the condemnation of God. This is the basic issue in John. It summarizes the responses of accepting or rejecting the Son of God that are traced through the rest of the book. The rejection of Jesus by his own people can be seen over and over in John chapters 2 to 19. His own did not receive him. However, John also lists a number of men and women who believed in him, but as many as received him. The key verses are John one eleven through thirteen and John twenty thirty to thirty one. The key chapter is chapter three. John three sixteen is without doubt the most quoted and preached verse in all of Scripture. Captured in it is the gospel in its clearest and simplest form that salvation is a gift of God and it is obtainable only through belief. The conversation with Nicodemus and the testimony of John the Baptist provide this setting that clearly points out that being born again is the only way into the kingdom of God. Brief survey of John, the most unusual Gospel with its distinct content and style. It serves as supplement to the three synoptic Gospels. It is easy, it is easily the simplest and yet the most profound of the Gospels. And for many people, it is the greatest and most powerful. John writes his Gospel for the specific purpose of bringing people to spiritual life through belief in the person and work of Jesus Christ. The five basic sections of this gospel are the incarnation of the Son of God. That's the first part. The presentation of the Son of God, second part. The opposition to the Son of God, third part. The fourth part is the preparation of the disciples by the Son of God. And then the fifth part discusses the crucifixion and resurrection of the Son of God. The incarnation of the Son of God is in John 1, 1 through 18. the prologue. It introduces the rest of the books. It gives the background of the historical narrative that follows. It dates the nature of Jesus, introduces his forerunner, clarifies his mission, and notes the rejection of acceptance he will find during his ministry. The presentation is the next part of the Son of God. In this section, Christ is under careful consideration and scrutiny by Israel. He is introduced by John the Baptist, who directs his own disciples to Christ. Shortly, the author begins listing the seven signs, which continue through the next section. John carefully selects seven miracles out of the many that Christ accomplished, John 21 through 25, in order to build a concise case for his deity. They are called signs because they symbolize the life-changing results of belief in Jesus. He changes water to wine, healing the nobleman's son, healing the paralytic. He feeds the multitude. He walks on water and he raises Lazarus. The gospel brings people from death to life. John eleven one through 44. These signs combine to show that Jesus is indeed the son of God. And he goes into the opposition to the Son of God, which is in John 5 through 12. John's unusual pattern in these chapters is to record the reactions of belief and disbelief after the performance of one miracle before moving to the next. In a series of growing confrontation, John portrays the intense opposition that will culminate in the Lord's final rejection on the cross. Even though many people received him, Inevitable crucifixion is foreshadowed in several places. Then he goes into the preparation of the disciples by the Son of God. John surveys the incarnation and the public ministry of Jesus in 12 chapters, but radically changes the pace in the next five chapters to give a detailed account of few crucial hours. In this clear and vivid recollection of Jesus' last discourse to his intimate disciples, John captures the Lord's words of comfort and assurance to a comfort of fearful and confused followers. Jesus knows that in less than 24 hours he will be on the cross. Therefore, his last words speak of all the resources that will be at the disciples' disposal after his departure. They will be indwelt and empowered by the true by the triune godhead the upper room discourse contains the message of the epistles in capsule form as it reveals god's patterns for christian living in it the key themes of servanthood the holy spirit and abiding in christ are developed then finally we have the crucifixion that's discussed and the resurrection that's in john 18 through 21 after recording Christ's high priestly prayer on behalf of his disciples and all who believe in him through their word, John 17:20, John immediately launches into a dramatic description of Christ's arrest and trials before Annas, Silasus, and Pilate. In his crucifixion, Jesus willingly fulfills John the Baptist's prophetic words, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. John 1.29. John closes his profound gospel with a particularly detailed account of the post-resurrection appearance of the Lord. The resurrection is the ultimate sign that points to Jesus as the Son of God. John, life in Jesus, the Son of God. About 40 years after the first New Testament book was written, God inspired the age apostle John composed the last gospel account, known today as the fourth gospel. In many ways, it is distinct from the other three gospels, and it serves as a capstone revelation of the life and ministry of Christ. Today, it is often the first New Testament book recommended to new Christians for study. That is because it has a combination of many desirable features that make it a primer, primer for reading and study. John, the book, it clearly presents foundational truth. It combines combines fact and interpretation. It presents the way of salvation succinctly and persuasively. It is very setting and atmosphere are universal. It's very setting and atmosphere are universal. It is picturesque and attractive in varied forms and um, the background, the author. Authors of many Bible books are not identified by name. This is so in the case of the Gospel of John. The traditional view is that John the Apostle, sometimes referred to as John the Evangelist, was the author. Hence the title Gospel of John or Gospel according to John. According to John twenty one, twenty, the disciple whom Jesus loved was the author. Read also John thirteen twenty three. Or other similar descriptions of this disciple Disciple in each case John could be the disciple meant if John was the author why do you suppose he would not name himself in those passages listed below are some descriptions and other facts concerning the apostle John his family John was son of Zelebi and Salome uh, so, since Salome was a sister of Jesus' mother Mary Jesus and John were cousins. That would partly explain the close relationship between the two. He was related to James. John was brother of the apostle James. Jesus surnamed both Bonages, meaning sons of thunder, a name indicating perhaps a fiery personality. John was a fisherman. Zebedee, James, and John were fishermen of the Sea of Galilee. Zebedee. Was probably well to do. He was a Christian minister. He was a follower of John the Baptist. John may have been a, a disciple of John the Baptist when Jesus called him to his service. His age at the time may have been around 25, and he lived to be about 100. He was a companion of Peter. John was a Palestinian Jew, a close companion of Peter, a contemporary of the events of his gospel. His writings. John wrote three epistles and revelations in addition to the gospel. Because revelation refers mainly to the last days, the statement may be made that as John the Baptist prepared the way for the first coming of Jesus, the apostle John was prepared, has prepared the way for Christ's second coming. His later life, there are only a few historical references to John after the events of the gospel. talks about him with Peter in Acts one. One of, John's acts, one of John's contacts with Paul, John's exile experience around A.D. 95, is in Revelation one. His character from the New Testament biography and the epistles, a composite personality image of John is seen. Though the image is incomplete in some respects, John was a man of courage, fervor, loyalty, spiritual perception, love, and humiliating. Humility. The subject of love is a keynote of his epistles. Of this man, God writes, as Christ tames his ardor and purified it of unrestrained violence, John became the apostle of love, whose devotion was not excelled by that of any other writer of the New Testament. original readers. By the time John wrote the gospel, the church had matured, its transition from Jewish exclusivism to universal outreach. From our study of Luke, written about 25 years earlier, we learned that the third gospel had helped men understand the broader scope of Christ's message by showing the gospel's universal application. By the time of the appearance of John's gospel, it was very natural for the message of this fourth gospel to be directed to the world at large. There are many internal evidences of this universal outreach. For example, John knew as he wrote that not many of his readers would be Jews, so he translated it to Hebrew and Aramaic. He explained Jewish religious practices such as the burial customs. There are many other characteristics of his writing that reveal its universal application. So the original readers, who did he Write the Book of John for it was for the world, not
0: for Jews particularly. Okay, excuse me. Mm. His style of writing.
1: There is a basic simplicity about the language and structure of the Fourth Gospel, whereas the meaning of its message ranges from the from the perspicuous to the mystical. A man of God during the Reformation wrote, never in my life have I read a book written in simpler words than this, and yet the words are inexpressible. Another theologian has expressed it this way. The noble simplicity and the dim mystery of the narration, the tone of grief and longing, the light of love shedding its tremulous uh, world. To the Gospel of John, a particular originality and charm to which no parallel can be found. John is a book of contrast, moving quickly from grief and sadness to joy and gladness, from the storms of opposition to the peace of fellowship, from condescension earthward to ascension heavenward, from doubt to faith, from life to death. Any attentive reader of this Gospel must be disturbed with, as he ponders, what its narrative has to do with him, the purpose of the gospel, the three different writings of John, Gospel, Epistles, and Apocalypse reveal three basic purposes of the of the author, the gospel, the evangel, evangel, evangelic, excuse me, founding and nurturing of the church. His, his letters, the epistles, were written for the organic shaping of the church, and the apocalypse is the eternal future of the church. It is interesting to observe that one author should be divinely assigned such a wide range of content for writing. John explains specifically in John twenty thirty thirty one why is his gospel, why his gospel was written. It was written to primarily win unbelievers, both Jews and Gentiles, to a saving faith. John also must have had in mind the confirming of believers in their faith, so that church would have a stronger witness Read john twenty thirty to thirty one for John's purpose in reporting the signs of Jesus in his gospel. The miracles were called signs by John because these signified vital spiritual truth but to come to personal relationship with Jesus through faith in him as the Christ, the Son of God. The theme of his account may be stated, Life in Jesus, the Son of God. Keep in mind the words believe and life as key words of John's Gospel. What is the connection between signs, belief, and life? And John also had other purposes in mind. But related to those mentioned above, one was to refute the heresy of docetism, which denied the true humanity of Jesus. Observe John's answer in John one fourteen. Another was to expose the unbelief those who entrusted in Judaism. He came to his own country, but his own people did not receive him, John one eleven. Relation to the Synoptic Gospels, the four canonical Gospels record identical good news about the same good man, Jesus, yet each Gospel has its own unique function. The one Gospel markedly different from the other three is John. Relation to the New Testament canon, let's see, the three Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, talk mainly about. Uh, They're chiefly concerned with Jesus' ministry in the north around Galilee. John is different because it gives more coverage of Jesus' ministry in the south around Judea. So these are basically the similarities and differences from John and Matthew, Mark, and Luke, which are called the Synoptic uh, Gospels. So the Synoptic Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they talk a lot about they emphasize on kingdom inheritance. John emphasizes on the person of Jesus, his I am, an eternal life inheritance. Uh Matthew, Mark, and Luke talk about Jesus as son of David and son of man. John talks about Jesus as son of God. Matthew, Mark, and Luke the gospel of the infant church and um John talks about the gospel of the maturing church. John, uh, Matthew, Mark, and Luke talks about the earthly story. And John talks more about the heavenly meanings. Matthew, Mark, and Luke talk about Jesus saying generally short parables. But John talks more of the long discussions, the discourses of Jesus, not his story. And Matthew, Mark, and Luke comparatively, they offer little commentary by the gospel, and whereas John gives much commentary by John. And um, um, the Matthew, Mark, and Luke only mention Passover once, and uh, in John he mentions Passover three, possibly four Passover sighted. On the basis, it is concluded that Jesus' public ministry lasted three and a
0: half years. The um, prominent subject. Prologue in the beginning.
1: John, he goes into the passage. It's excelled in the Bible for its compartments of the gospel message. The first three words repeat the three words of Genesis. Two verses later, John makes the summary statement that all things were made by the word. Meeting with Nicodemus important subject. Then he, the next thing important in the book of John, um, the Gospel of John, he talks about the three years of conflict. And then he talks about the farewell discourses uh, Jesus had talking about, you know, he was leaving. And then he talks about his highly priestly prayer, which is John 17, 1 through 26. John's high priestly prayer in John chapter 17 has been called the New Testament's noblest and purest part of devotion. A Christian cannot read this chapter without being warmed in the heart over the tremendous fact that his Lord prays to the Father on his behalf. The prayer is clearly of three main parts. Jesus prays for himself, Jesus prays for his disciples, and Jesus prays for the church. When we study the chapter, we think of the heart needs of the disciples at that time. Also, think how Jesus was feeling at that time, knowing what trying experiences were awaiting him in the next hours. Let these studies be the background of applying the prayer to our own lives. Three discourses of Jesus is discussed in John. The Father's house, the vine and branches, and promises of Jesus. Then they talk about in John the hour of sacrifice. After the high priestly prayer of chapter 17, the succession of events was his soul's agony of Gethsemane, his arrest, his trials, his scourging, his crucifixion, and his death. Jesus did not try to delay it. he did not try to delay or avoid any of these experiences to the very end his attitude was one of obedience to his father's will the cup which the father has given me shall i not drink it that jesus was not a fatalist concerning with sovereignly fixed program is shown throughout the gospels by the intensity of his human emotions in the midst of each trying experience this man of sorrows acquainted with grief was obedient to the point of death was confronted by two different realms of authority in his trial. The political rulers were Roman, and the religious rulers were Jewish. Mm. The redemptive fruits of Christ's death are glorious, but the hour of his death was mankind's darkest hour. Even nature itself echoed to this, with the darkening of the sun and the violent earthquake. John's account of Jesus' death is brief but weighty. He paints six portraits, which are identical, which are identified, um, God's confiscated, goods goods confiscated, excuse me, mother cared for, and um, his life given, his death verified, and his body was buried. Then they go into the, the end, John's resurrection. Jesus had clearly instructed his disciples after. No, he... He instructed his disciples earlier about his forthcoming death and resurrection in Matthew 16, Mark 8, and Luke 9. But they did not understand the meaning then, nor did they even remember the words later. Understanding would come through believing, and believing would come through signs. John chapter 20 records some of the signs that restored the disciples to Jesus in a personal and new relationship to him as the risen Lord. John's life as Jesus... Son of God with the era of incarnation Years of conflict Persecution against Jesus Begins in John 5 Bread of life is refused In John 6 There are attempts to arrest Jesus In John 7 He is the light of the world That was rejected in John 8 The good shepherd is firmed in John 10 The king of Israel enters Jerusalem In John 10 The day of preparations in John twelve. Excuse me. Events attending the Last Supper, John twelve. The high priestly prayer, John seventeen. The hour of sacrifice, John eighteen. He was arrested and tried, John eighteen. He was crucified and buried, John nineteen. Dawn of Victory is John twenty, and the signs of the resurrected Jesus, John twenty. And the post Resurrection Appearance to Galilee John 21 Just a little summary All about John Let's uh, take a look at this Little quiz The purpose for writing the Gospel of John Is found in verse 31 Of chapter 20 Of the Gospel of John Uh, You want to find You want to read that for me Elka
2: I just finished doing a uh, prayer here, so I have to get off the phone. So what am I supposed to do?
0: Um, do you
1: want to look for, um, I need you to find chapter
0: 20 of the Gospel of John, verse 31. Say 20? hmm The purpose for writing the Gospel of John is found
1: in verse 31 of chapter 20 of the Gospel of John. What is written in that scripture passage?
2: But these are written that ye might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing ye might have life through his name.
1: Amen. Which one does that mean? Uh, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Or, but as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God to those who believe in his name. Or, but these things are written that ye may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. Or it seemed good to me also to write to you an orderly account that you may know the certainty of those things in which you were instructed.
0: That verse, which one uh applies to that verse? I would say. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God to those who believe in his name. That's right. Oh, was, you read verse 31? Yes. But as many received is the correct answer. But these things are written that ye may that you may believe
1: that Jesus Christ that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. Oh yeah, I think I said that. I don't know why. Okay, that is the correct one. All right. The only way to the kingdom of God is to experience physical death, to
0: travel through time and space. Or to be born again in spirit, or no answer. Uh I'm
2: manipulating a body part, and it's very annoying. Oh,
0: you
1: you're not going to do the quiz? Well,
2: well, they're playing around with manipulation of a body part—not my breath, but my groin. Okay. They, start, they started doing it, you know. Okay, the only
1: way to the kingdom of God is to be born again in spirit. Okay, that's correct. John writes his gospel for the specific purpose of bringing people to spiritual life through belief in the person and work of Jesus
0: Christ, true or false. ...on my body now in the name of Jesus. Pardon the quiz. That's a distraction Okay We're just going to continue with our
1: quiz In the Gospel of John The seven miracles of Jesus are called signs Because they symbolize The life-changing results of belief in Jesus True or false In the Gospel of John The seven miracles of Jesus are called signs Because they symbolize The life-changing results of belief in Jesus
0: That is true Correct. Okay. What is the first
1: miracle that Jesus did? Drive out demons, healing ten lepers, raising
0: Lazarus, or turning water into wine? Turning water into wine is correct. Excellent. The miracle this miracle signifies
1: that Christ is the one who can and will satisfy spiritual hunger. Healing the nobleman's son feeding the multitude, raising of Lazarus, changing of water to wine. This miracle signifies that Christ is the one who can and will satisfy spiritual hunger. Healing the nobleman's son, feeding the multitude, raising of Lazarus, or changing
0: water to wine.
2: Feeding the multitude.
0: Feeding the multitude is correct.
1: Excellent. All right. I one purpose for writing the Gospel of John was to refute the heresy of docetism. What is docetism? Docetism claims that Jesus was born of a virgin birth. Docetism means the denial of the
0: true humanity of Jesus. Docetism falsifies the fact that Jesus' body was an illusion.
2: No, I missed a lot of it because of all this manipulation that went on. Okay,
1: my right. docetism means the denial of the true humanity of Jesus. Docetism is like a false belief, and they deny that he was he was
0: human. All right. How
2: do you spell that word?
0: D O C E T I S M.
2: Is that Latin or what is that? Is that a Greek?
0: That's docetism. I think it's Greek. Okay. It means the denial of the true humanity of Jesus. Okay. Okay. Identify whether
1: this is synoptic or John. Remember the synoptics are Matthew, Mark, Luke, and then uh, John is separate. So... Much emphasis on kingdom inheritance. Is that, would you say, that's the Matthew, Mark, and Luke or John? Much on kingdom inheritance. I would have to say synoptic. The gospel of the maturing church, that is John. Jesus saying generally in short parables, that's the synoptic. Gives more coverage of
0: Jesus' ministry in the south around Judea, that's uh, John. That the more correct, excellent,
1: great, thank God. John's object in the prologue is to show how Jesus, the Creator, was involved in His Father's plan of redemption for the fallen human race. I would say true, true or false? True, true is correct. Good. He was an influential leader of the Jews, a Pharisee in particular, who asked Jesus about the way of salvation. Zacchaeus. Psyphus, Lazarus, or Nicodemus?
2: Nicodemus.
0: Nicodemus is correct. Jesus' high priestly prayer is found in John 3, John
1: 14, John 17, or John 8? 17. Wow, you know your Bible. Go, baby. John 17 is correct. Redemption fruits of Christ's death are glorious, but the
0: hour of his death was mankind's darkest hour. True or false? True. Yeah, that
2: would be true. Yeah, that's
0: yeah. true. Okay, that's
2: it.
1: That's it. Now we're going to um, we get ready for our final exam next week,
0: and um, that's it. God, we just thank you for this time we had together. Heavenly Father, we give
1: you praise and glory that you give us another midday, God, that we can come together and praise you. You give us the privilege, the honor. And we thank you, God. We're praying this thing through, God. We're binding up this targeted individual program. We're binding up the harassment campaign. We're binding this thing up in the name of Jesus. We're pleading the blood of Jesus to break secrecy codes, to break public protection, disablements, to break it in the name of Jesus, to break the spirit of eugenics, to reject the eugenic, uh, the recruitment spirit that comes with it. God, we're coming before you. We're pleading the blood, the blood, the blood, the blood, the blood. We're breaking up that spirit of persecution, that spirit of jealousy and envy, that spirit of tearing one another up. We're breaking it. We're pleading the blood of Jesus to tear that thing down. God, we're breaking we're breaking up the rituals that were done against the United States governing structures. God, we're pleading the blood of Jesus to make that stuff null and void have no effect. We're pleading the blood over the shield of protection over our executive branch of government. We're pleading the blood over the shield of protection over our judiciary. We're pleading the blood of Jesus over the shield of protection over our legislative branch. We're pleading the blood that that stuff will have no impact whatsoever. The blood of Jesus will break all rituals, will break all plotting and planning up in the name of Jesus. We're pleading the blood to make warriors out here stronger, God, that they can help one another that they can work together, God, to show the devil he is a liar. God, we're pleading the blood of Jesus on good health, life, shielding, coverage, Heavenly Father, prosperity, peace, love, compassion, family. God, we're pleading the blood on it in the name of Jesus, that those spirits will reign across this earth. We're binding up the spirit of pity. We're binding up the spirit of hate and jealousy and evil. We're putting it under our feet in the name of Jesus, that those will not be methods of operation, particularly in governance offices. In the name of Jesus, pleading the blood of Jesus, Heavenly Father. We're pleading the blood across this earth that God's sovereignty will reign across this earth, that righteousness will prevail in every situation. God's earth will be exemplified, that the earth is the Lord's, the Lord's and the fullness thereof, that demon forces will be under our feet, that God's people will use their free will to advance the kingdom of God.
0: My prayer in Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. I can close out here, but I'm not. I'm going to play the Joel Osteen for those uh,
1: TIs. This is something I just want the community to know that this has built me up. Um, you know, this program tries to shoot you down so many different ways, so I just thank God for these, um,
0: this particular uh, video here. And um, this is one of Joel Osteen's so I'll just.
2: I pray a, a very good binding prayer. That, uh, yes,
0: yes,
1: great. Right. Um, you yes. know,
2: because this is being taped, right?
1: Yes, yes, and the, and the taping is mainly, it's it's for other people, you know, to stay encouraged. I do get a lot of listeners and downloaders, and i do I,
3: sure.
2: Because yes. they might like to copy it down, you know, as I read it, like over the week, you know, when they're listening to it, because it's a really good prayer. Oh, okay. Okay, go ahead. So in the name of Jesus Christ, by the power of his cross and blood, we bind the spirits, powers, and forces of the earth, the underground, the air, the water, the fire, the nether world, and the satanic forces of nature. We rebuke any curses, hexes, or spells sent against us and send them directly to Jesus for him to deal with as he will. Lord, Sorry. Lord, we ask you to bless our enemies by sending your Holy Spirit to lead them to repentance.
1: In the name of Jesus.
2: And we bind all interplay, interaction, and communication of evil spirits. We claim protection of the shed blood of Jesus over us. Thank you for your protection, Lord. We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Amen.
1: Amen. They need nice to day. pray that.
2: They need to pray that at least twice a day.
0: <laughs> now, let me ask you, how's that weather over there?
2: The weather um, it, it it snows a little bit, and then um, there's. Sometimes a uh, really cold wind. Okay,
1: so it's not that bad. They were scaring us in New York, but it's not that bad here.
2: Well, where Werner uh, is, uh, it's um, quite strong because of the blizzard conditions there
3: uh, in okay. in the
2: eastern Canada. Like because he gets the up a draft from uh, Boston. Right.
1: No, I heard it was going to be bad over there.
0: But, um, yeah, I got to get to the post office. Time? All right, let me just play a little of this, Joel, old thing. Today is
1: coming. Bringing with it
3: a revolution okay. in
0: technology. All right. I get Cyrus. so that's how I found it. I'll go get it for you. She said, honey, you know what the
4: doctor said. You better write it down. He said, I'm just going into the kitchen. I'm not going to forget it. A few minutes he came back, handed her a plate of bacon and eggs. She shook her head and said, I should have known it. You forgot my toast.
0: Hold up your Bible. Say it like you mean it. This is my
4: Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what it says I can do. Today I will be taught the Word of God. I boldly confess my mind is alert, my heart is receptive, I will never be the same. In Jesus' name, God bless you. I want to talk to you today about choosing faith in spite of the facts. There are times in life when the facts are not our friends. The facts will say, you can't get well, you saw the medical report. You can't accomplish your dreams, you don't have the training the education, you don't know the right people. You'll never break that addiction. You've had it too long. If you just focus on the facts, they'll keep you from your destiny. The facts can talk you out of your dreams. The facts can convince you to settle for mediocrity. But I've learned that God is bigger than the facts. You may not see a way in the natural, but he's a supernatural God. He can do what medicine cannot do. He can promote you without the training. He can make rivers in a desert. He's not limited by the laws of nature, science, finance. Don't let the facts fool you when you believe all things are possible. I was in my late teens. I was driving to lunch with some friends. We saw these two men coming out of a house carrying a television and a stereo. They were stealing it. We knew the people that lived there. They were out of town. I pulled into a convenience store and called 911. The operator said, what's your emergency? I was very young and nervous. I started telling him where we were coming from, who was with me, and where we were going. He said, sir, I don't need any of that. Just give me the facts. He said it twice, very sternly. All I want are the facts. In the same way, when you're believing for a problem to turn around, believing for a child to get on the right path, believing to get out of death, in your heart, you'll hear a voice saying, it's going to happen. God can make a way. Favor is coming. Healing is coming. You'll feel faith rising up. But in your mind, you'll hear another voice saying, just give me the facts. I don't want to hear all that faith stuff. I don't want to know what you're believing for, what you're hoping will happen. All I want are the facts. In other words, what does the medical report say? How much do you have in the account? Where is your child right now? The real battle is taking place in our minds. Scripture says, lean not to your own understanding. There are times, take this in the right sense, you have to turn your mind off. Your mind will tell you all the reasons why it's not going to happen. Stay focused on the facts, the details, what the experts have said. Before long, you'll talk yourself out of it all four having common sense, being wise, but sometimes there is no logical solution. There is no way in the natural. This is when faith kicks in. God, I believe you're bigger than these facts. I don't see a way, but I know you can still make a way. Too often we only look at things from a natural, logical point of view. This is my financial statement. These are the numbers, Joel, nothing to debate about this. This is what the medical report says. These are the grades my child is making in school right now. That's all true in the natural. What I'm saying is we serve a supernatural God. He is not limited by the facts. He controls the whole universe. He spoke worlds into existence. He flung stars into space. Facts may tell you you'll never get out of debt, But one touch of God's favor can put you into overflow. The facts will say, you can't accomplish your dreams. It's been too long. You're too far behind. One touch of God's favor can put you 50 years down the road. The facts may tell you you'll never get well. You'll always have that addiction, always have that depression. One touch of God's favor can set you instantly free. I had a man tell me last week how he had been filled with anger and hatred his whole life. This is all he had ever known. He was in his 40s. He didn't like himself. He wanted to do better, but the facts said, "This is who you are. Just deal with it." But about two months ago, he accidentally flipped on our broadcast. Didn't have any kind of spiritual background, but as he listened, something began to come alive on the inside. He said, "Joel, when I prayed that prayer at the end of the program." It's like I became a totally different person. All the anger and hatred instantly left me. One touch of God's favor can override the facts. God can override what the medical report says. He can override what people are telling you you can't do. He can override what you think you're lacking. Don't let the facts keep you from your destiny. Choose faith. Dare to believe. God did not put you here on planet Earth to be average, to be addicted, to be overcome, to barely get by. He put you here to be victorious, to be free, to leave your mark on this generation. The facts may say otherwise, but don't let that fool you. God is not limited by the facts. When you believe, you tap into the most powerful force in the universe. Victoria and I were first married one night we were walking through this nice neighborhood. There was this beautiful two.
3: There was a time when the sea gave way to the sky, an amazing.
4: Story house almost finished being built. And we walked up to look in it. It had big windows, high ceilings, spacious rooms. It was so beautiful. And Victoria said, Joel. One day, we're going to live in a house just like this. might as well have said, Joel, one day, we're going to go to the moon. I no more believe that. I said, Victoria, I work for a church. I'm never going to be able to afford a house like this. Being the great man of faith that I am, I went on and on trying to talk her out of it, telling her all the reasons why it wasn't going to happen. She wouldn't hear it. It went in one ear and out the other. She said, no, Joel, I feel it down in my spirit. One day it's going to happen. (laughs) Two years later, we unexpectedly sold property. God blessed us more than we could ever imagine, and we were able to move into a house just like the one that she saw. The difference was I was focused on the fact. I knew what we made, what we saved, what it took kids to to send kids to college, the cost of living. I had the projections, the spreadsheets, the financial data. All the facts said it would not happen in my lifetime. Now, Victoria had the same facts, the same information, but instead of letting the facts talk her out of it, she chose to believe what God put in her heart. She wasn't denying the facts. She wasn't living in a fantasy land. She was simply saying, it's not possible in the natural, but God, I know you're a supernatural God. You're not limited by our income, by our position, by our background, by our circumstances. You have all power. You can get us to where you want us to be. If you take the limits off of God, he'll amaze you with his goodness. Don't do like I did and let the facts talk you out of God's death. You've thought long enough of all the reasons why you can't live in a nice house, why your children will never honor God, why you won't break that addiction. No, the facts may be against you, but can I tell you, God is for you. His power is greater than any force that's trying to hold you back. His favor can thrust you to a new level. His goodness can turn your children around. His mercy can set you free from every addiction. His love can restore rebuild, set you on a new path, give you a new beginning. Shake off the doubt. Shake off the negative voices. If God be for you, who dare be against you? He wouldn't have put that dream in your heart if he wasn't already planning on bringing it to pass. You don't have to figure out how it's going to happen. It may not work on paper. The odds may be against you. That's okay. That's not your job. Your job is to believe. God, the medical report said, I'm not going to get well. But you said, with long life, you would satisfy me. God, my children aren't doing right. But you said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. The facts say, I'll never get out of death. But God, you said, I will lend and not borrow. I am the head and not the tail. If you're going to see God's best, you've got to choose faith in spite of the facts. The facts told my mother that she had a few weeks to live with terminal cancer in 1981. But my mother chose faith and she's still alive and healthy today, 81 years old. The fact said, I couldn't pastor the church after my father went to be with the Lord. I had never ministered. I didn't have the training, the experience, but I chose faith in spite of the fact. Everything worked out pretty good so far. The fact said, We would never get this facility, the former compact center, a city-owned building. The fact that the city is not going to let a church have it. The odds were against us. But I've learned when God laid out the plan for your life, he didn't go check to make sure all the facts would line up so it would happen. The facts don't limit him. He's not up in the heavens scratching his head thinking, oh, I wanted Joel's mom to live a long life. I didn't know she'd have cancer at 48 years old. Or I wanted Lakewood to have the Compact Center. I didn't know that company would file a lawsuit to try to keep them from moving in. No, God is not moved by the facts. He has ways to get you to your destiny that you've never thought of. One good break, one phone call, one idea, one divine connection can catapult you into a new level of your destiny. I know a young man, that applied for a scholarship at this major university. There were only 20 scholarships available in the field he wanted to study. Over 3,000 people applied. The odds were not in his favor. He could have thought there was no use even believing for this. His chances were less than one-half of 1%, not good at all. But instead of letting those facts talk him out of it, his attitude was, God, the odds are against me. But I know you are for me and if you want me in this University I believe you can open the door and make it happen months later he received an email saying congratulations out of the 3,000 you were one of the 20 chosen You believe it activates God's power but if he had just sat around thinking Oh, it's not gonna happen I never get any good breaks I'm not that smart I come from the wrong family then it wouldn't have happened you have to take the Dare to believe. Sometimes the facts will say, it's been too long. The dream is never going to come to pass. The problem's not going to turn around. It's too late. This is what happened with Jesus. One time he was walking through this town. A man came up to him, a leader in the synagogue, fell at his feet and said, Jesus, my little girl is so sick. Would you please come to my house and pray for her? Jesus told him that he would come. But he kept getting delayed along the way, again and again. Finally, one of the men's assistants came up to the disciples that were standing behind Jesus and said, no use bothering Jesus anymore. It's too late. The little girl has died. Scripture says, Jesus overhearing but ignoring. He heard the facts. He got the official report, she's dead. Jesus could have gotten discouraged and thought, oh man, I blew it. I should have gotten there sooner. No, he simply
0: ignored. Introducing the breakthrough device to reduce fine lines and wrinkles without injection. I
3: noticed the area around my mouth is changing. I don't want to do invasive procedures for this younger injections. It's, scary. it's not weird, It's not natural.
2: Find out why more than eight million people have tuned in to Shark Tank and Rachel Ray to learn about this breakthrough. Click here to go to AngelList.com and join the hundreds of
3: thousands of very satisfied customers.
4: Word, the negative reports. You're going to stay in faith. You can't go through the day thinking about all the odds that are against you, how you'll never get well. How big your obstacles are. No, the facts may not look good, but you've got to do like Jesus
5: and choose
4: to ignore them. Choose to not dwell on them. Choose to stay in faith. Jesus went to the house, prayed for the little girl. She came back to life. His attitude was, the facts don't stop me. I'm bigger than the facts. When I speak, waves obey me. When I speak, blind eyes open. Red seas part. The dead come back to life. I wonder how many situations we'd see turn around, how many dreams we'd see come to pass if we would simply start ignoring the negative reports. The facts may be against you. That's one report, but God always has another report. Medical situation may say you'll never get well, but God says I'm restoring health back into you. I will heal you of your wounds. Now here's the big question. Whose report? are you going to believe, faith or fact? Sometimes fact is easier because you can see it. It makes sense. It's right before you. But the Scripture says we walk by faith and not by sight. Facts may say you're hurt, you're lonely, you've been through a breakup, nothing good is in your future. You've heard that long enough. But there's another report that says God has beauty for your ashes, joy for your mourning, what was meant for your harm, He's going to use to your advantage. Why don't you choose to believe that report?
2: Or the facts may say,
4: you're not going to get out of debt until you're 167 years old. You've calculated it. You've run all the numbers. You've got the facts. But faith says God's blessings are chasing you down. Your cup will run over. Whatever you touch will prosper and succeed. Like Jesus, I'm sure you've heard plenty of these negative reports. It may not have been from other people, but even your own thinking, saying things like, you've reached your limit, you're not that talented, you're not attractive, you're not smart enough, start ignoring those lies. Don't give them the time of day. You wouldn't be alive unless God had something amazing in your future. He has equipped you, empowered you, and anointed you. You have everything you need to fulfill your destiny. Now, sometimes the facts say otherwise. But Paul said in Corinthians that things we see are temporary. One version says they are subject to change. Your finances may be low today. The good news is they are subject to change. You may be lonely, but that's subject to change. God has a divine connection, the right person coming your way. Or you may have had that addiction for 20 years. But don't believe that lie, that that's the way it's always going to be. That may be the way that it's been, but that's not the end of your story. It's subject to change. In a split second, God can set you free. The key is don't let it become permanent in your thinking. Don't let the facts convince you that's the way it's always going to be. No, today is a new day. God is saying the things you've been praying about. The things you've been believing for are about to come to pass. You're about to see the breakthroughs, the healing, the favor, the promotion, the victory is headed your way. 1 Kings chapter 17, there was a widow living during a great famine. She was a single parent mother. All of her funds had run out. She had no food, no way to survive. She went outside to gather up some firewood. She was going to cook the last little bit of flour and oil that she had. She and her son were going to eat what they thought would be their last meal. The facts said she was done. In a great famine, no food, no income, all the odds were against her. There was a knock on the door. It was the prophet Elijah. He was a friend of the family. After he greeted them, he said, Would you do me a big favor? I'm so hungry, would you please? Make me something to eat. She said, Elijah, I would love to, but all I have is this little bit of flour, a little bit of oil. It was going to be our last meal. He said, I understand that. Just make me something first, and you guys can eat what's left over. I'm sure she thought, Reverend Elijah, I really love you, but I'm not about to give you my last meal. It seemed like he was being selfish, but Elijah knew what he was doing. It's the principle when you put God first. He'll take care of you. All of her logic, all of her reasoning said, don't make him something when you're starving to death. But in spite of what her mind told her, she chose to do it. She cooked the last bit of flour, the last little bit of oil, made him some bread. She and her son ate what was left over. The next day, she went to those containers, expecting them to be empty. But much to her surprise, there was still some flour left, still some oil. This happened day after day, month after month. The supply never ran out. God supernaturally multiplied What's interesting is God didn't stop the famine. The conditions around her were just the same. God simply blessed her in the midst of the famine. Sometimes we think that the economy has to improve for us to do better. Joel, my job has to increase my company, and then I can rise higher. No, God can bless you right in the middle of the family. He can bless you in spite of what's going on around you. Let make it more practical. You can be in a dysfunctional situation at work, people that don't like you, trying to hold you down. The facts say, too bad, just learn to live with it. No, that doesn't stop God. When it's his time to promote you, all the forces of darkness cannot hold you down. Or how about at home? A situation, parents that don't support you, a child that's not doing right, in a bad neighborhood, the facts say you're stuck, good luck, just endure it. No, God can reach down in the middle of that dysfunction, in the middle of the chaos, and say, I'm going to promote you, I'm going to increase you, I'm going to take you where you've never dreamed. When God blesses you in the midst of the famine, then everyone around you will know his favor is on your life.
3: whole new level. It's got electronic ignition. It's got the infrared rotisserie,
4: ceramic briquettes, high-powered steer stations. It's got a built-in sauce rack. This bad boy will change your life. You know what? See, the conditions don't have to be just right. You just have to be right. you'll honor God, take the limits off of Him, He'll prosper you even in a desert. He'll make you an example of His goodness. The facts may say you'll never get out of that environment. You'll never rise out of that rut, that struggle, that lack. It's all around you. You're surrounded by mediocrity. The odds may be against you, but the Most High God is for you. He doesn't have to change the whole environment. You need to get ready. God's going to bless you in spite of your circumstances. He's going to promote you right in the middle of a famine. I was in Kenya, Africa, several years ago. We were visiting this orphanage. The families that run it are great people. The father left a prestigious job teaching at the university to come back and start the orphanage. Now he and his grown sons and daughters have 200 acres where they take care of 500 children. We ask about their support and how they raise funds. The father told how they were self-sufficient. They farmed the land and that's how they provide the food and nutrition for the children. They developed their own unique irrigation system. They're so successful, they sell their produce to the local grocery stores. What's interesting is when they purchased the property, they were told that they wouldn't be able to grow crops there because the soil was too unhealthy and there wasn't enough rain. The experts told them they would never be able to sustain themselves off the land. That's what's happening all around. For miles and miles, nobody else can grow crops. It's dry and barren, but when you get to their property, it's like an oasis out in the desert. The university sent people out to take soil samples, to do studies, try to figure out what's different about their property. They can't understand how their soil can be so rich and fertile, and right next door, it's totally different. When his father told me, he smiled and said, Joel, it's the blessing of God on our life. When God controls the environment. He's not limited by what somebody has told you. He's not limited by what the experts have said. With all due respect, God has the final say. The facts don't have to line up for him to bless you. You don't have to be the smartest, the most talented, the strongest. What's more important than all of that is God's blessing on your life. Why don't you take the limits off of him? Don't let the facts talk you out of what God put in your heart. One time in the Old Testament, the Israelites were surrounded by a major army. This army had cut off their food supply. They were waiting for them to starve to death. Then they were going to go take the land. The prophet Elisha showed up and said to the Israelites, by this time tomorrow, there will be so much food, you'll be able to buy a loaf of bread for only one penny. The assistant said, Elisha, What are you talking about? That's totally impossible. The problem with this assistant is he was only looking at it in the natural. He started checking all the facts. We're surrounded. We're outnumbered. We have no food. We're starving. We're weak. In other words, he checked the stock report. He looked at his financial statement. He watched the nightly news, came to the conclusion, there's no way. It's never going to happen told Elisha that he thought it was impossible. Elisha did something significant. He didn't just blow him off and say, well, we'll see. He looked at this assistant and said, it will come to pass. But because you doubted, because you didn't believe, it will not happen for you. You won't see any part of it. Later that day, four lepers were sitting outside the city gate. They started walking toward the enemy's camp. God caused it to sound like a huge army was approaching. The enemy panicked and took off running for their lives, left all of their food and supplies. The lepers went back and told the Israelites that the enemy was gone and there was an abundance of food. This assistant, who didn't believe, was in charge of the city gate. When he opened them up to let the people out, they were so excited he got knocked down and was trampled to death. Everyone else could buy bread for one penny alone, but not him. It happened just like Elisha said. Now, my encouragement is when God puts a promise in your heart, you may not see how it can happen. All the facts may say it's impossible. But do yourself a favor. Don't tell God all the reasons why you don't believe, why you can't get well. That will keep it from happening for you. You have to turn your mind off. He's a supernatural God. He's not limited by your circumstances. He's limited by what you believe. The odds may be against you today, but don't ever forget the Most High God is for you. The facts don't stop him. The economy doesn't stop him. A medical report doesn't stop him. He has all power. If you'll start choosing faith in spite of the facts, I believe and declare, new doors are going to open. Dreams are going to come to pass. Problems are going to turn around. Favor, healing, breakthroughs, abundance. Victory is coming your way. In Jesus' name. If you receive it today, can you say amen? We never like to close our broadcast without giving you an opportunity to make Jesus the Lord of your life. Would you pray with me? Just say, Lord Jesus, I repent of my sins. Come into my heart. I make you my Lord and Savior. Friends, if you prayed that simple prayer, we believe you got born again. Get in a good Bible-based church. Keep God first place. He's going to take you where you've never dreamed. I promise you, we will make you feel right at home. But thanks so much for tuning in. Thank you again for coming out. I like to start with something funny. One day, Adam was feeling very lonely. God said, Adam, I'm going to make you a companion. This is going to be called a woman. This person will cook for you and wash your clothes. She will bear you children and never ask you to get up in the middle of the night. She will not nag you. She will always agree with you. And if you ever have a disagreement, she'll be the first to admit that she was wrong. (laughs) Adam said, Wow, God, what will a woman like this cost? God said, An arm and a leg. Dropbox for Business helps us to take all those different packages and keep them in one consistent place. I can't imagine doing the things we do without Dropbox. Adam said, what can I get for a rib in the rest of history? (laughs) Hold up your Bible. Say it like you mean it. This is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what it says I can do. Today I will be taught the Word of God. I boldly confess my mind is alert, my heart is receptive, I will never be the same. In Jesus' name, God bless you. I want to talk to you today about releasing control. It's easy to get so focused on our goals, our dreams, that we're not going to be happy until it happens. When we put God in a box, we tell Him what we want, when we want it how to do it, who to use, we've got it all figured out. But the scripture says God's ways are not our ways. They are better than our ways. And if you're only going to be happy if it happens your way, you're setting yourself up for disappointment. God can see the big picture for our lives. He knows what's around every curve. He can see the detours, the dead ends, the shortcuts, things that we cannot see. A better approach is to say, God, this is what I want. This is what I'm believing for, but, God, you know what's best for me. I don't have to have it my way. God, I trust you. When you release control, it takes the pressure off. Life gets so much more free. You're not always fighting, trying to make your plans work out. And sometimes we're so focused on what we want that it's out of balance. Anything you have to have in order to be happy, the enemy can use against you. If you think, I have to have this promotion, my spouse has to change. I've got to get married to be happy. I've got to have good weather. I've got a big outdoor event plan. No, a mature attitude says, even if it doesn't work out my way, even if my plans don't happen, God, I'm still going to enjoy my life knowing that you're on the throne. Here's the key. When our dreams and goals start to frustrate us, when we're not at peace, not enjoying where we are because we're so focused on what we want, that's a sign that we're holding on too tightly. When you hold on to what you want so tightly, it can almost become like an idol. You're so focused on it, that's all you think about, all you pray about, consumes your time and energy. That's out of balance. One of the best prayers that we can ever pray is, God, not my will, but let your will be done. When you release control, you're showing God by your actions that you trust him. There are times in life God will ask you to release the thing that you want the most. It's a test. If you will pass that test, at some point, God will either give you back what you wanted or bring something better into your life. This is what happened with Abraham, his son Isaac. The child he had dreamed about year after year finally showed up. Abraham loved him more than anything in the world. One day God told Abraham to put Isaac on the altar, to sacrifice the thing that meant the most to him. It wasn't easy, but Abraham made this decision to release control. He said, God, you know this is what I've dreamed about. This is what I've wanted more than anything else, but God, I trust you. I can be happy even if it doesn't work out my way. When God saw his willingness to put on the altar the thing that meant most to him, then God said, no, don't do it. He gave him his son back. The question is, can you be happy if it doesn't work out your way? Will you keep a good attitude if the business slows down, the medical report? isn't good. Maybe you're believing, standing on a promise for your health to get better. When you have the attitude, even if I don't get better, I'm still going to have a smile. I'm still going to be good to people. I'm still going to give God praise. You're doing what Abraham did. You're putting that dream on the altar. When you can pass the test that you don't have to have the problem turn around to be happy, You don't have to have the dream come to pass to enjoy your life. You're proving to God that you trust Him. That's when God will give you the desires of your heart. When we were trying to acquire this facility, the former compact center, I wanted it so badly that it consumed me. I was constantly thinking about it, praying about it, talking about it. It seemed like the harder I tried, the worse things got. More people came against us. Lawsuits were filed. I would wake up in the middle of the night in a cold sweat, wondering if it was going to happen. One day I realized that I was so set on having it my way, I wasn't enjoying where I was. I wasn't going to be happy if we didn't acquire it. I had to do what I'm asking you to do. I said, God, I believe that this facility is supposed to be ours. Deep down, God, I believe you saved it just for us. But even if it doesn't happen, I'm going to still be my best at the other location. I'm still going to be happy and enjoy my life. I release control. God, do it your way. It wasn't long after that that things started falling into place. We won the votes from the city council members. The lawsuits were settled. Here we are today. When you release control, you are passing a very important test, the trust test. You're saying, God, I believe you know what's best for me. Many times, like with Abraham, like with this facility, that's when God will release back to you the very thing that you're believing for. I know this lady that had a husband that wouldn't come to church with her. He was a nice man. He just wasn't interested. She was praying and believing that it would change. This went on year after year. She did everything she could think of. She put scripture verses up all over her house. She was always encouraging him to come, but in spite of all of that, he wouldn't come. After about a year, she began to get frustrated. She lost her joy. She used to come down to the front for prayer, very discouraged and upset. Joel, I don't understand it. I'm doing everything that I can. I told her what I'm telling you. The best thing you can do is release control. Turn it
0: over to God. You prayed, you believed. Our brand is growing at such a fast pace. We use Dropbox
4: to access the most current sales information. Dropbox straight into the iPad, information straight to the. Believed. You're standing in faith. Now put it on the altar. Have the attitude. If he never comes, God, I'm still going to trust you. If it never changes, I'm still going to be happy. When you show God that you don't have to have it in order to be happy, that's when God goes to work. There may be things that are frustrating you right now because they're not changing. You know God put the dream in your heart, but it doesn't look like it's going to happen. You have to do what she did and say, God, I've done everything I can. I am not going to live my life upset, not going to go around worried, wondering, frustrated, God, I'm putting this on the altar. I'm giving it to you. And that's what this lady did. She got her joy back. She got that spring in her step. By her actions, she was saying, God, I trust you. I know you're still on the throne. I don't have to have anyone or anything to make me happy. I'm going to be happy right where I am. About two years later, one Sunday morning, her husband asked if he could come to church with her. It was his idea. They came that Sunday. That was over eight years ago. Now he hardly ever misses a Sunday. That's what happens when you release control. God will make things happen that you could never make happen on your own. And I'm not saying to release the promise, to give up on a dream. No, release the worries. Release the frustration. Release having to have it your way. Psalm 138 says, God will work out His plan for your life. God knows how to get you to where you're supposed to be. You don't have to live worried, frustrated. If you're trusted, God will bring the right people. He'll open the right doors. He'll turn problems around. He promises He will work out His plan for your life. And we all have goals and dreams, and it's easy to be frustrated when they're not happening as fast as we would like. We think, God, I'm working hard. I'm being my best. I'm honoring you. When am I going to get that good break? When am I going to meet the right person? Why is it taking so long? No, you can't control the timetable. You can plant the seed. You can water it. But only God can bring the sunshine. Only God can cause it to grow. Don't be frustrated because it's not happening on your timetable. As long as you're being your best, Honoring God, you can rest assured God will get you to where you're supposed to be. It's the same principle in our health. You can't make yourself get well. You can pray and believe. You can eat right, exercise, take medicine. But only God can bring the healing. Only he can restore health. And the scripture says to cast your cares on the Lord. The care is the worry. Those thoughts that bring anxiety and fear. What if you don't get well? What if the treatment doesn't work? What if the medical report isn't good? Worry ties the hands of Almighty God. Living stressed out, trying to change things that you can't change will keep you from God's best. You have to release control. It's not your job to heal yourself. You don't control the sunshine. The right attitude is, God, my life is in your hands. I know you're the healer. You said the number of my days you would fulfill, so I'm not going to live worried and stressed out. Lord, I want to thank you for the sunshine. Thank you for doing what only you can do. Then all through the day, instead of trying to make yourself get well, just relax, stay in peace, keep a smile on your face. God is not asking you to control everything. Take the pressure off yourself. He's saying, cast your cares. Release the control. See, you can't make yourself get well. You can't make people like you. You can't make a dream come to pass. God has to give you the sunshine. He has to breathe in your direction. Maybe you are believe in a promotion today. Well, you say, Joel, all you said I have to do is just trust. I can't make it happen. No, the Scripture says, cast your cares, not your responsibilities. I'm not saying to just sit back and don't do anything. No, do your part, then take your hands off of it, and trust God to do what you can't do. In other words, get to work on time. Produce more than you have to. Have a spirit of excellence. Then if for some reason you don't get the promotion, maybe they give it to somebody less deserving, you can't control that, but you can control your response. God, I trust you. I'm not going to be offended. Start complaining. God, I know you have something better in store. In the meantime, I'm going to enjoy my life right where I am. Quit being frustrated by things that you cannot change. God has you in the palm of his hand. Nothing is happening that he is not completely aware of. When you start releasing control and trusting him to get you to where you're supposed to be, that's when you'll see new doors open, new opportunities new friendships. But much of our frustration in life is because we're trying to control things we were never meant to control. We try to control what people think about us, control what our spouse does, control when a dream comes to pass. If it's not happening on our timetable the way we want, we go to work and try to change it. Thinking, man, I've got to change my spouse. i got to change these people's opinion of me. This problem's not turning around fast enough. I've got to get in there and change that. Many people are working overtime trying to change things that they cannot change. You have to accept the fact you can't control everything. The only thing you can control 100% of the time is your attitude. Life is 10% what happens to you and 90% how you respond. If somebody hurts you, you can't control that. It's over and done. But you can control whether or not you get offended or if you were to get a negative medical report. You can't control that. Life happens, but you can control whether or not you live upset and discouraged. I'm simply asking you today, focus on what you can control, not on what you can't. If you live in Houston, during the summers, it's very hot here. I know people that have complained for the.
2: Audiences and critics are cheering for the brilliant new production of Les Miserables. It's thrilling, really spectacular, and unforgettable. I have
3: like my life would be.
2: The revolution is born again. So different, so different Don't wait one day more to see the musical phenomenon on Broadway.
3: Is at the Imperial
4: Theater. Visit telecharge.com. For the last 30 years about the heat, it's so hot, I can't take it. Joy. The fact is, you can't change the heat. And I don't mean to depress you, but it's going to be hot in the summers for the next 30 years. You can either dread it and let that sour the rest of your life, or you can say, this is where God has me. I believe I have the grace to handle it. Yes, it's hot, but thank God I have an air conditioner. Thank God I have a job here. Thank God I have friends and family. Thank God I can come to Lakewood. You can't control the heat, but you can control your attitude. Why be unhappy about something that you cannot change? You have to sit in traffic every day on the way to work. Why let that steal your joy? Being upset about it is not going to make it go any faster. You can't control the traffic. Why don't you change what you can control? Use that time to thank God for what he's done in your life. Look out at the beauty of his creation. Put on some good praise music. Turn on Sirius XM. Listen to our messages. The traffic may not ever change, but you can change. And some of the things that are frustrating you right now, if you don't make these simple adjustments 20 years from now, 30 years, 40 years, those same things will still be frustrating you. Life happens to all of us. We have delays, interruptions, unfair situations. We can't control that. Don't use it as an excuse to get upset. A few Christmases ago, I was driving around a crowded parking lot, up and down the rows again and again, trying to find some place to park. In a few minutes, this young couple came out, and they were parked right up close to the building. I said, Well, Lord, thank you for your favor. And I put my blinker on and I was waiting for them to pull out. It took them a long time. They had to put their packages in the trunk and buckle up a child in the safety seat. Finally, they backed out just as I was about to pull in. They still had me blocked. This car came from the wrong direction and pulled in right in front of me. My first thought was to honk my horn and give them a piece of my mind. Then I remembered I'm a pastor. And, A happy pastor at that. But one of the most important things that I've learned is life is too short to be frustrated by things you cannot control. You can't control what other people do. You can't control the traffic. You can't control the weather. If you're only going to be happy if everything goes your way and everybody's nice and kind to you, you're probably going to live a very unhappy life. Them taking my parking spot was a part of the 10%. That happened? It wasn't fair. But the 90% is what really matters. How do we respond? Jesus said, stop allowing yourselves to be upset, agitated, and disturbed. It's a choice that we have to make. At the start of the day, you should make a decision that no matter what comes against you that day, you are not going to get upset. You have to decide ahead of time. That way, if you get to work and your boss is in a grouchy mood, you think that's okay. I can't control him. I can't make him be in a good mood. That's his choice. My choice is to be happy. I've already decided to enjoy this day. Traffic is worse than normal. If your child forgets his homework at school, you've got to go back up. If the Texans don't win, that's all right. I've already decided I'm not going to be frustrated. I'm not going to get upset today. Back when I first started ministering 1999, one day I was at home working on my computer writing the message for that weekend. It was a perfectly sunny day, not a cloud in the sky. Out of nowhere, the power went off. For some reason, I had not saved my material. Had five or six pages of notes, been working most of the day. I was hoping, praying, believing that somehow it had been automatically saved. It was hard enough back then to write one message. I said, God, please don't make me write it again. Power came back on, and I searched and searched, trying to find it, but it wasn't there. I got technicians to come out from the office. They looked and looked, but the material was gone. I was so frustrated. I'd lost the whole day's worth of work. I felt like calling the power company. What are you doing turning my power off in the middle of the day? Don't you know that's causing problems? No matter how much I vented, no matter how frustrated I became, the material was not coming back. We waste a lot of time and energy trying to change things that we cannot change. The scripture says in life you'll have trials, difficulties, interruptions. We're all going to have our 10%, things we don't like, things that are not fair, things we don't understand. We can't control that. You have to focus on what you can control. I finally shook off the self-pity. I shook off the discouragement. Sat back down at my computer. I said, God, this power going off is not a surprise to you. You said what's meant for my harm, you would use it to my advantage. You said all things would work together for my good. So Lord, I want to thank you the second time I write this message will be better than the first time. I went to work there at my computer and Ideas started coming from out of nowhere. A couple of hours, I had more notes and better notes than I had before. Next time you're tempted to be frustrated, offended, stressed out, remind yourself that's a part of the 10%. You can't control that, but you can control how you respond. Start passing the test. Don't keep letting the same things upset you year after year, the same people get on your nerves, Every day is a gift from God. We're not always going to be here. Once this day is over, we can never get it back. Your time is too valuable to waste it, upset in traffic, offended at a neighbor, frustrated at a child, worried about your health, discouraged because a dream is taking so long. You can't control those things. If that was going to keep you from your destiny, God would have never permitted it. Start passing the test. Don't allow yourself to be upset. I was in Australia last year. They use the phrase no worries all the time. They say no worries like we say you're welcome here in the States. If you're at dinner and the waiter brings you the food,
2: you say thank Counted as the first breakthrough device to reduce facial wrinkles by doctors across the country
3: and clinics.
2: Thank you. They
4: answer back no worries. I dropped my fork on the ground. They came running over, pick it up, no worries. They're so relaxed, easy going. Nothing bothers them. Buildings on fire, no worries. <laughs> Robbery in progress, no worries. I must have heard that phrase 20, 30 times a day. And Even though they use it in a different way.
3: That's
1: it. All right. Well, God bless you. Oh my my Elka's still here. Oh, God bless everybody. We had a few on Talkshoe. God bless Talkshoe. oh New York has
0: hung up. I had a New Yorker here
2: from Talkshoe.